Hey, welcome to the Rooted to Live podcast. This weekend, of course, is Easter weekend, with today being Good Friday. And um, I've just been thinking a little bit through the reason for the season. We usually use that phrase for Christmas. But a lot of folks actually don't spend time thinking more about why we do what we do on this weekend. There's always got to be a why. I've been investigating a little bit of some weight loss programs and weight loss apps for my phone. And a lot of times the directors of it, the guides or coaches, they want to talk to you about what your why is. You have to have a motivating why to push you through the days that are tough, uh, the days that are discouraging or when you're most tempted. And so... There's a drivenness to figure out your why. And if you don't have one, then you're not going to make it through. And everyone basically has motives, of course, for what they do and don't do. And as we come uh, into this Easter weekend, I wanted to consider again the motive or the why for Christ's death and his resurrection. In the book of John, we catch a big motivation for God considering Easter and I want to look at a conversation that maybe you've seen before but maybe you haven't in the first couple chapters of the book of John and I'm going to read here for a second for you uh, this exchange between Jesus and a man named Nicodemus this is John chapter 3 now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus a ruler of the Jews this man came to Jesus by night and said to him rabbi we know that you are a teacher come from God For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, Well, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? And Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does 
wicked things, hates the light and does not come into the light, lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Nothing is more important for for us than this. The most relevant truth of our lives is what Jesus says here. Of course, this conversation contains what is perhaps the most famous verse. John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Hmm. What do you think made this verse so popular? Was it the guy, I remember growing up watching football, was it the guy with the rainbow wig at football games holding his John 3.16 sign? I'd like not to give him so much credit. The reason this verse is known is because we see the point of our celebration this weekend. God's love expressed in Jesus. And this is where we see the motive of Easter, the motive of Christ's death and resurrection. And if you've known this one verse for years or decades, as I have, or if you've never even heard this, it's worth our time to work through it. We really can't let this weekend slide by without knowing or remembering what Jesus said and did. The first phrase in John chapter 3, verse 16 is, For God so loved the world. For us to grasp this, we have to consider a few things, starting with, who is God? Now, there's lots of views of God. What, what comes to your mind when you consider God? Is it a sleepy, long-bearded man whom you shouldn't bother, you don't want to annoy or be a burden to? Is God an old man who will bless you if you're really nice all year long? Or an invisible force that started something but is actually no longer interested? Or is he a master chess player who can't be beat but isn't in control of all the pieces? See, what we think about God matters. And to be clear, your thoughts on him don't change him, of course, but your thoughts on him will change you. And accuracy makes all the difference. When, when Jesus uses the word God to the Jewish religious leader in this text in John chapter 3, Jesus is referring to Israel's God, the one true God, who spoke and is mentioned all throughout Scripture. He is the creator, sustainer of the universe. He is personal. He thinks. He wills and feels. He is perfect and acts only in accordance with that perfection. He is gracious, merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in love. So how did he love? What describes his love? Well, John chapter 3, verse 16 tells us, For God so loved... He so loved. This is the intensity of God's love. However, the word, the word love is likely lost on us, and I've brought it up several times in the podcast. God's love is very much different than many of our own versions of love. He loves us not because we're so lovely, but because he is love. He loves us not because of what we can do for him, because he is love. There's no strings attached. It's a it's a choice to yield to another's best interest. So the word Jesus uses for love is the highest form of love, a, a die-for-you kind of love, a choosing for what is best for another kind of love. And what is the object of God's love? The scripture tells us, For God so loved the world, meaning all people, not just pretty nice moral people, not just really smart people, ethical people, but frail, imperfect, selfish people. People like me. 
And God doesn't only love all people generally, but he actually loves you personally. In fact, I think that God, this very day, is especially fond of you. And this is amazing, because look at how Jesus actually describes mankind, the, the people that God loves. It's in verses 19 through 20. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Hmm. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come into the light, lest his work should be exposed. Well, that's me. I've, I've clung on to my darkness. I, I've loved the darkness. I've had works that are I'm ashamed of. Thoughts, behaviors, actions. Surely you've seen the darkness in the world. The sin and the selfishness of every person makes up that darkness. And God so loves this world. When we think of this darkness, we often blame other people. And it can be hard for us to admit that we have contributed to the darkness by the things we think, do, and say. And not just passively, but intentionally, of course. So our self-righteousness tells us that we're better than we really are. Well, at least I'm not as bad as so-and-so. Or we look at the news and we watch the terrible things that people do to other people and we think to ourselves, I can never imagine doing that or I would never do that. But Jesus actually says that, says that we all love the darkness instead of the light. But if we accept that God loves the world, including us, we simultaneously realize that we don't deserve it. And the beauty of receiving God's love then is that it pulls us out of denial and into a real relationship with him. And that relationship is made possible because God so loved the world, including you. It moved him to action. His why was you. His motivation is love. And that love moved him to action. And as we grow in understanding of this true God, we get a more accurate view of ourselves in light of him. We, we see who we are and aren't. How small we are. We see our failures and our imperfections and our self-centeredness as we look at him. So then knowing this makes the truth found in John chapter 3, verse 16, both needed and treasured. The reason why is because it shows us true hope. Because it, it describes the way a perfect God is acting to rescue an imperfect us. So how does God rescue us? The next phrase tells us that he gave his only son. God gave his son. This son is Jesus, and, and he was the long-ago promised Messiah, the promised Savior. So when the verse says, only son, or your translation that you may remember is only begotten son, what does that mean? Well, it simply means unique, or only one of its kind. Ancient writers use this adjective to describe a child's unique relationship with their parents. So how is Jesus unique? Well, the scripture tells us that he has always existed. He's without beginning and he is himself fully God and in time was sent and willingly arrived in the most unassuming way via a miraculous birth from a nobody gal in a nothing town. In the beginning of this book, the author John describes Jesus' arrival. In John chapter 1, I'll just read verse 14. And the word, that is Christ, became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory, glory as glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John is showing his readers the connection, the eternal relationship between God the Son, the Word, that is Jesus, and God the Father. There is no one like Jesus, fully God and not fully man. And God the Father, motivated by love, gave his Son, and his Son, motivated by love, came to earth. 
Later the author uses the word sends. This is found in John chapter 10. John chapter 10, verse 17 through 18. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. That's Jesus speaking of his relationship with the Father and why he came. Hmm. We see that the reason the Father sent the Son or gave the Son was so that the Son would lay down his life. 1 John, later on in the Bible, 1 John chapter 4, verse 14 says, The Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. So God's sending his Son to earth on a mission to die so as to save people who could not save themselves. God the Father so loved people, this dark world, that he sent his perfect Son, the light, Jesus Christ, on a sacrificial mission to bring people into relationship with himself. Amazing. The sacrifice Jesus made was taking upon himself what we truly deserve, a punishment for our sin, and making it possible for us to receive that which we do not deserve, a life-giving, a resurrected life-giving relationship with a perfect holy God. He's the cure to our sin disease. He's the resurrection to our spiritual death. And so the perfect life, bodily death, and resurrection of Jesus made him uniquely qualified to fulfill on our behalf every demand of God the Father. Jesus is the only way and entry point to God. He is the only hope. So how do we claim this hope or get on this path? John 3.16 tells us that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Whoever believes in him will. The way we claim this hope or get on this path is to believe in him, in Jesus. So what does that mean? Well, the phrase quite literally is believe into him. Lots of people believe that a Jesus existed, but to believe into him is a faith or a trusting commitment to Jesus. Believing into Jesus says, I'm not going to try to be my own savior anymore. I can't do it. I'm, I'm tired of my sin in my way. My trust, my hope is in you, Jesus. I believe you who are who you say you are and that you died and you rose again and my life is yours change my life as you will it's an exchanged life now be mindful here it's not adding some Jesus into your life like sprinkling some salt on your dinner it's not just throwing some Jesus to be part of your life to make your life better or just giving up Sundays or something to be more well rounded believing in a Jesus makes Jesus the point of our lives how you view self, the world, your family, money, your job, now all through the lens of Jesus. Seeing those things through the eyes of Jesus. And let me tell you what will happen if you believe in a Jesus like this. Um, you'll become free. Free to stop hiding and free from guilt and shame. Free to true love, joy, and peace. Essentially life. And life abundantly. The scripture tells us whoever has the Son has present tense life and that begins now not just in heaven someday so what matters most to God about you is not the sins you've committed or not committed your goodness or badness how you compare to others but your life in Christ your proximity to him because of Jesus you can have a 
living, active, vibrant relationship with God. Be, believing into Jesus as receiving him. And we see more about this receiving idea in the beginning of the letter in John chapter 1. And I was just there. John chapter 1, verse 11. He came into his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Or maybe you remember that verse, to become the sons of God, or called the sons of God, who were born not of blood, nor of will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Hmm. That's an adoption text. Being adopted into God's family through belief. To be called his child. So who is invited to believe? Well, John chapter 3, verse 16 tells us, whoever. The, who, the word whoever is broad, anyone. Whoever is wide, but the phrase shall not perish, but have eternal life is narrow. Either perish or eternal life. Perish can mean to be lost or to die. We get a better understanding in verse 18 when the scripture says condemned that they are condemned. So let me tell you an unpopular truth about our sin and perishing. Justice demands wrath and punishment towards sin, and most of us want justice in this world. We get angry when there's not justice in this world, especially for our sakes. And John writes in verse 36, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. The reason it remains eternally is because the sin against God is the sin is against an eternal God. So justice for sin is perishing, which in this context means staying eternally under God's wrath. Yet... The Bible tells us that God doesn't desire that anyone should perish like this, but that that everyone would come to repentance or everyone would come into belief into Christ. So, of course, some see a paradox, don't they? Since God's character demands justice and love, that's his motivator, how can both exist? Sin must be punished, but love moves one to yield to another's best interest. So here's the paradox undone. Because of love... God made a way for us through Jesus, and you and I are invited to believe into Jesus and claim his work on the cross for our sin, which satisfies both the Father's justice and love, and will result in being born again into newness of life, an obedient life, a fulfilling life, a joyous life, a peace in the storms of life, life, that begins now with Jesus and forever. That is eternal life. It's more than just heaven someday as, a, as some kind of prize. It's, eternal life is freedom and love and joy and peace and the kingdom of God with Jesus as the prize. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Some will believe, some will not. And God allows people to not receive his love, yet this weekend around the world, people will for the first time begin believing into Jesus. Is that you? The motive of Jesus' death was love. The motive of Christ's resurrection was love. And the motivation of this message is God's love.